0: Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website message.org.uk. I think in the last two weeks I've been on a bit of a a high. Uh, My heart is genuine full of, of gratitude, my heart is just so full. Um, and, and I know Andy mentioned it last week, and, and maybe you probably sat here thinking, like, flipping neck down, you keep going on about it. Now that Brightline is over, you always talk about Brazil. But the reality is, I'm, I'm generally really grateful um, of what, what God has done with Brazil. You know, in terms of, you know, Emily, my wife, getting a job and all the stuff, all the pro- yeah, it's a whoop for sure. Uh, all the provision that's come through it. All, I'm like, ah. It's not a Daniel or an Emily thing at all, but it's just the providence of God. It's just God, just so kind, and I can't do anything but just be like, man, I love you, Jesus. Not because you've done this, but just just your faithfulness and your goodness. I just, ah, I genuinely really love you, Jesus. Thank you so much. And again, I know I mentioned this last time I spoke, but the words of, of um, Proverbs 16, verse 9 are so true. A man makes a plan in his heart, but the Lord directs the steps. And I'm like, man, the Lord has directed our steps. And God is faithful, and God is good, and and he he is true. So my heart is full of gratitude. I don't know what kind of week you might have had this past week or this weekend. Maybe you're feeling like you're on top of the mountain, like this is the best moment ever. Or maybe you're going through some kind of trials or some situations, and you're like, ah, come on, God, when are you going to show up and when are you going to do something? But I just want to remind us all, especially as we are coming into the Christmas season, and we, we use this word a lot, but God is with you. God is with us. Emmanuel, right? We celebrate that at Christmas. And I know I've said this before. It's not, just a, it's not just a Christmas little slogan, but it's a reality to be experienced every single day of the year. God is with us. He is present in the good times, and the victories, and he is present. Let me tell you this, and let me encourage you, he is present in the trials as well. God is with you. One of the things that, and, uh, that I feel like we've, we've done for the last nine years as a, as a Brightline family, and it's probably one of my favorite traditions that we have kept for, for nine years, is having a Thanksgiving meal. Every, the last Thursday of every November, the whole Brightline crew gathered together. And we're going to be doing that, God willing, next week again. Uh, but we all gather together one evening, someone's house. We all bring foods. About 14 of us get together, bring some games, bring food, mac and cheese, marshmallows and sweet potato. I know it sounds weird, but it's really good if you get to do that just, just do it. Try it. It's, it's beautiful. I had some turkey, gam, and a whole bunch of things. And I was trying to, as I was thinking about this and reminiscing, I was trying to think if there's any funny stories about Joe Barrett regarding Thanksgiving. But the reality is there isn't. There isn't. There's nothing, Joe. There's nothing, bro. So there's no, no pointing at you today. Uh, no, sad, isn't it? He's actually a good, he's not a good cook. Ruth is a good cook. Um, he just kind of, he just jumps on. There we go. That's for you, bro. Uh, he just jumps on it. Uh, but it's just a really special moment where we just sit all around the table. And then, and each one at the end of the meal, we just kind of go, like, ah, oh, what are you thankful for, right? And some people get really stressed out about it because, like, I need to think of something. Uh, But it's just a really beautiful moment of just, like, hearing what God has done throughout the year and how we are grateful and how we are thankful. Um, It's generally one of my favorite moments of the year. There was even this one year, I won't mention this person's name, but there was one year that a turkey was cooked, and they left the the plastic bag with the giblets in it. Um, So they cooked the plastic bag and the giblets and the turkey. It was an interesting kind of turkey, but nevertheless, no, still thankful that we got to do it and we got to celebrate all that God has done, and with this in mind, right? With this uh, attitude of gratitude, this, with this idea of thanksgiving, I want to look at a particular psalm—a psalm that uh, calls us to worship, a psalm that calls us to be thankful. And um, if you do have your Bibles, this is Psalm 33. Uh, so I would, I would encourage you to open it, Psalm 33. Or oh, as I heard the other day, someone calling psalm, psalms. Um, they saw the P before the, the S-A-L-M, and they thought that the P wasn't silent. They called it Psalms. And I guess it makes perfect sense. You know, why would you have a, a letter that is silent like that? It's like, I don't know, tsunami. Why is there a T in tsunami? Makes no sense, does it? For foreigner, it's confusing, right? All my Brazilian friends, it's confusing to have a T in tsunami. Just take the T out. Take the P out in Psalms. Don't call it Psalms. Um, or psychology, I'm I'm going on a tangent here, psychology, why is there a piece like knuckles, why is there a K cane knuckles, it doesn't make sense, but anyway, this is just me, just some musings of a Portuguese man, anyway, Psalms chapter 33, Um, and you know, we will journey this together, we will read the whole chapter, it's a pretty long chapter, but we will read the whole chapter, And, and my hope through this particular passage, and as we read this, is that we will actually Fix our eyes, as Hebrews 12 says, we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And, and with all the things that we say, it's like, ah, it's all about Jesus, pointing to Jesus. That's, that's my wish, that's my prayer. So here we go. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the, uprise, to the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on a ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke. And it came to be. He commanded and he stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of their army. No warrior escapes from his great strength. A horse, in, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all his strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and those whose hope is in his unfailing love. To deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in the hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. This particular psalm is a, is a call to worship, and we don't really know who wrote it. Some people reckon it was probably King David. King David wrote a bunch of the psalms, or they even suggest that maybe it was the Maccabees that wrote this particular psalm. We don't really know who wrote it, but one thing we do know is that this particular psalm, Psalm 33, is a, is a call to worship, and the reality is that they would sing it every Sabbath, and they do it to this day. They would go to the temple and sing this particular psalm from top to bottom, calling everyone, the whole people God. Together and to worship God, to bring glory to God. Now, what's crazy about this psalm, right? This is a psalm of worship of thanksgiving, but what is crazy, many theologians think that this particular psalm was written during a period of time where Israel was actually surrounded by enemies, that Israel is in the midst of being attacked by different people, but nevertheless, the psalmist grabs his pen and he worships the Lord. He grabs his pen and he gives thanks to the Lord. What do the people do in the midst of the circumstances? In the midst of the trials that the people of Israel were facing, they would still go to the temple and they would worship. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on a ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. The psalmist draws our attention to this, to sing unto the Lord, to sing joyfully, to sing His praise, to give thanks to Him because He is worthy. That's the first point that the psalmist tells us to do. And I think the thing that we can draw, even just from these first three verses, and there's different points I want to draw out, but the first point I would want to draw out is that we, and I feel like the psalmist is encouraging us to approach the Lord, to approach Him with a heart of worship and thanksgiving. You know, so often we can say, oh, the music wasn't really my style or the circumstances are not allowing me to worship. But by just seeing this particular psalm and the situation that these guys faced, we don't worship because of our circumstances, right? We worship in spite of our circumstances. We don't worship the circumstances, but we worship God in the midst of the trials. We worship God in the midst of the circumstances. The circumstances do not deserve our worship. But you know who deserves our worship? Jesus deserves our worship. It's all about Him. No matter what's happening around us, the trials and tribulations that we might be facing, we continue to worship God. That's why moments like these where we gather together to pray, to look at Scripture, to sing songs, and there is something about singing songs that is good for the soul. The moments when we sing songs, we're like, ah, it's about you. We are focusing our attention and our eyes on the author and the perfect of our faith. He, we sing with joy, full of joy, because he deserves it. He deserves it all. The psalmist carries on, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The psalmist carries on by talking about the very nature of God. That God is faithful. we read later on. That's even when we're faithless, he's faithful because he cannot deny himself. God is faithful in all that he does. God has unfailing love. See, circumstances can just change in an instance, right? The situations around us can just change from one moment to the other. But God remains faithful. God remains the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. This is very nature, unmovable. So the psalmist starts off this hymn encouraging us to lift our eyes and fix our eyes on him. There's this one story that I heard. Some time ago, it's like an old Jewish story about the Red Sea. And some of you might know this story, but and it's not in the Bible, it's not in Scripture, but it's just a story they used to tell to their, to their crew and to their people. And um, the story is as the Israelites are going through the Red Sea, you know the story, Moses goes and then the Lord parts the waters and then going through the Red Sea. And there's two groups of people. There's the people that are walking around as they're going through the sea and they're looking at their feet and like, oh man, look at all this sand in between my toes and look at all this rubbish around my feet. And there's another group of people that as they're walking, they're just, wow, look at the walls of water. Look what the Lord has done. Look how he split everything in the walls of water. How good is God? There's a challenge for us. What kind of perspective do we have? Do we fix our eyes on the sand that's in between our toes? Or do we look at the mountains of water surrounding us? Because that is what God has done. He has made the way for us to go from one point to the other. Fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. We are called to worship the one who deserves worship. His name is Jesus. I believe that the psalmist actually, even in just three verses, he will be encouraging us to be focusing on faith instead of fear. Instead of having fear, have faith. Instead of worrying, worship. To worship in the trials, to worship in our circumstances, to lift up our eyes for the word of the Lord is right and true, faithful in all that he does. He carries on, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the seas into jars, he puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and he came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. What I can draw from this particular moment is that God is in charge. This is what we be point number two, that the Lord is sovereign over all. In the midst of what we are going through, with the army surrounding them, in the midst of what they were going through, with the army surrounding them, the psalmist remembers, actually, I know who God is. He remembers who God is. And even as I'm reading this, I wonder if, um, if the psalmist just kind of takes, takes a step back and starts reminding himself of what is in Genesis 1. This just echoes Genesis 1, right? I wonder if he reminisces of how God created the world. How God said, let there be light, and <laughs> light came into existence how everything just fell into place. And I wonder with, with, with that in mind, and as he's writing this psalm as, as a song of worship, I wonder if that's the reason that knowing God, he could say, lift up your eyes, let's worship him, let's praise him, because he knew who God is. He is sovereign, His ruler. I wonder if it's why he's encouraging his people the people of his land to praise the Lord, to sing him a new song, to sing a song to the one who created the world, visible and invisible. I mean, we fast forward to Colossians chapter 1, and it talks about Jesus being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And then Paul carries on in verse 15 and 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Man, it's all about Jesus ultimately. Jesus is king. It's all for him. It is all about him. And with that, with that as our foundation, knowing who Christ is, we can surrender our worries and fears, knowing with full confidence that he will take care of us. I mean, we look at Matthew chapter 6 and 25, says this, that Jesus instructs us not to be anxious about our life. It's pretty clear. The birds of the air are fed by our heavenly Father. The lilies do not toil, but their beauty was greater than Solomon's kingdom. God is in charge. It's for you. He's in charge. Carry on. Verse 10. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart for all generations. Point number three would be nothing can stop God's plans. When God has a plan, nothing can stop it, right? I mean, it's in the words of the kind of the lesser-known singer of Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams. When Jesus says yes. Nobody can say no. When Jesus says yes. Can say no. There we go. Okay, we can stop. That was a really bad pitch as well. Joe, even Joe, who's a drummer, is like, that's awful, Daniel. Uh, right? We all know drummers are going to sing. Uh, but as Michelle Williams would say, when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. And that's the reality. It's not just a song, right? It's not like a little jingle. Nothing can stop God's plan. And, man, isn't that our story, right? Time and time again, sometimes I just kind of reminisce on some of the stuff that we've been through here at the message. I remember, there was this, and for, especially for the newbies, for the ones that kind of just joined, I remember there's a whole thing about the Oaks. Years and years ago, right, when they'll say, no, you will never be able to have the Oaks. No, you can just quit, da, 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 da. And we're like, man, no, we know that the Lord has given us that building. And you know what? When Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. I remember about the building next door, the MEC, No, you'll not be able to have that. When Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. South Africa, the yokes in South Africa, same situation. No, you'll never be able to have that. No, no, it's not going to happen. When Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. Nothing can stop the plans of the Lord. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. And you know what? Sometimes we can look at our circumstances and the trials that we're going through, and it looks like our circumstances are winning. But remember... Even if it might seem like it's winning, they're just the first 15 minutes of a two-hour movie. That's not the end of it all. The Lord's plans remain forever. Armies can scheme, but God is sovereign. Nothing can spoil God's plan. God has the ability to use whatever is happening around us for his glory and his glory alone. Excuse me. Romans says that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. And I've been called according to his purposes. He knows everything. He is for you. he's not against you. He is in control. He knows what he's doing. Even if everything around us might feel like it's falling apart, he is in control. And although, I know it's a lot easier said than done. It's like, oh, Daniel, that's easy to say. Yeah, cool, he's in control. But I generally believe, believe with all every fiber of my being that that is true. He knows what he's doing. man. And again, I know, like my story, me and Emily, man, on this weird journey about relocating. Like, God, what are you saying? And and it felt like our circumstances were winning. and felt like stuff around us was falling apart. And I remember thinking like, man, God, I thought that you had said something. I thought you said this is going to happen. It doesn't look like it's happening. I look at this psalm. Nothing can stop God's plans. Moments where we might have a bit of doubt or moments where we feel like he's forgotten us. You know what, little did we know that what looked like a a stumbling block for us had actually become a stepping stone for us. And I'll say that to you as well. In the circumstances that you might find yourself in right now, what might look like as a stumbling block, my prayer is that that stumbling block becomes the stepping stone to whatever God is calling you to do. Remember, the plans of the Lord remain forever. And we might feel like he's forgotten us. But you know what? We carry on. What does the psalmist says? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. Number four would be God sees everything. The creator of the heavens and the earth sees everything. Stuff around us might be dodgy, scary, hopeless, but let me tell you this there is hope. He has not forgotten about you, He has not forgotten the promises that He's given you. He has given you a purpose. He has given us all a purpose. I mean, we look at Matthew chapter 28, right? The Great Commission, verse 19, uh, Jesus gives this command to the disciples and he says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see that there is a purpose given to the disciples. And I believe it's not just the disciples, but this is a purpose that's given to us. To go out and make disciples of all nations. But if we look at the verse before, verse 18, it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then we look at verse 20, right? And he says this, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what do I see with these particular three verses? Is that in verse 19, we find our purpose. Our purpose to make disciples of all nations. In verse 18, we find his power. In verse 20, we find his presence. And what I can slightly draw from this is that our purpose is sandwiched between God's power and his presence. Our purpose is sandwiched between God's power and his presence. We don't go solo. We don't go by ourselves. He is with us. He gives us the power to go out. We are not alone. He sees everything. He is with you. His promises are true. Verse 16, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Our deliverance comes from the Lord. Our deliverance doesn't come from an army or clever thinking or strategies, but our our deliverance comes from God and God alone. Yes, he's given us a brain to figure stuff out, but woe to us if we just rely on our own strength and our own clever thinking. Woe to us. We need to rely on God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Our deliverance comes from the Lord. And again, it's crazy to think that the psalmist is saying this in the midst of a situation where he's surrounded by enemies. But he's not relying on his own army. He's not relying on his own king. But he's relying on God who will be able to deliver them from the enemies that's surrounding them. This is a whole nother level of confidence in the God that we serve. The one that knows us by name. Our deliverance comes from the Lord. I want to call the band just to to come up as as I wrap it up and as we sing a final song. Our deliverance comes from God and God alone. But then what does he say? But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. On those whose hope is in his unfailing love. To deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Point number six would be this that our hope, our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. And you know, as, as Brightland, when we used to travel, we used to always say that you know, hope is not wishful thinking, it's not human optimism, but hope has a specific name. What's his name? What's his name? Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. That's why we can say with confidence that our hope is in the Lord. With everything falling apart. With our circumstances around us, be like, uh oh, changing constantly. He remains the same, he remains faithful. Our hope is in the Lord. We hope in him. So, what do we do? As we are hoping in him, what do we do? The psalmist finishes by saying this: We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord even as we put our hope in you. In the midst of what the people of Israel were going through, as they're singing their praises to the Lord on the Sabbath, and the armies are surrounding them, ready to destroy them, they say, man, our hope is in the Lord. We sing to you a new song. We worship you, because you are faithful and you are true. You will deliver us, We'll sing a new song unto you. So let me just recap the points. First one, just get there, is that we approach the Lord with thanksgiving and worship. We approach the Lord with thanksgiving and worship. Point number two, the Lord is sovereign over all. Point number three, nothing can stop God's plans. Point number four, God sees everything. Point number five. Point number five, our deliverance comes from the Lord. Point number six, our hope is in the Lord. And the final one, we wait in hope. Don't give up, don't throw in the towel. We wait in hope. In the circumstances, let us give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, he is faithful, he is just. Let's have an attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving, all the stuff that He has done, because He has been good. He has been so good. I mean, today, today we are opening another grocery in Liverpool. Wow, that's crazy, right? That's yeah, that's a round of applause moment. That's a round of applause moment. That's the Lord, right? And I know some of us maybe think, "Man, that was hard work, whatever." But you know what? We are thankful. We're partnering with the local church, Hillsong. People's lives are going to be changed. People are going to be fed. People are going to go from death to life. Oh my goodness, a serious generations will be changed forever because of a grocery that was open. But it's not just because of the building. It's because that good, the good news, the gospel, the hope is being preached. And lives will be changed forever, I pray. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.